Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and it's great to have your company for another week walking together on the Camino de Santiago. This is a podcast about the way of St. James and almost every day I receive a message from someone on the Camino or someone who has just returned. Laura wrote to me from outside Sahun. The podcast kept her distracted from the wind and drizzle. Kayleen wrote to me as she approached Astorga. She was due to arrive in Santiago any day for her, what she called, 49 plus one birthday. It's tough to say, Kayleen. You're turning 50. It's only a number. And I love hearing from people all over the world, whether they're on the ancient spiritual and mystical path or from one of the more than 100 countries around the world where the podcast has been downloaded. Thank you so much for your support. They say the Camino provides an opportunity to learn a little bit more about yourself. You'll certainly feel better physically, and it's a chance to delve a bit deeper into what makes you tick. It's often called a journey of the spirit. Everyone's spirit is on some kind of journey. It'd be crazy to think otherwise, because no spirit wants to be trapped. The American author Mark Twain wrote, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. My guest this week is a Canadian pilgrim, Coral Turner. Coral wrote to me a while back to say she's a Camino addict. I'm most probably in need of the 12-step program myself. So let's see if we can comfort one another. Welcome, Coral. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you too. Where are you? It's early in the morning and you're, you're somewhere on the Camino. Where are you? I am. I'm in uh, Villanova de Cervera, um, which is the next town from Camina. I left Camina yesterday. And to, uh, today I'll be in Spain. I'll be walking into uh, Tui. And so, so I'll be crossing the bridge. Yeah. And that sounds to me like a good way for a Camino addict to calm their cravings. <laughs> yeah, it is, it ha- indeed. Has this, how far have you walked on this Camino? And 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 how far will you walk? And tell us a bit about it. Is it busy? Is it? I know it's been very hot. It's very hot, and it has been very busy. Um, this is probably one of the few times I've ever done a Camino where all the beds are gone almost every night. So it's been kind of crazy. But um, I've walked so far uh, 170 kilometers or so, and I've got I think 115 left to go. How did the Camino come into your life originally? Um, I, I, like a lot of other people, I had heard of it here, there, you know, um, it, it's just sort of common knowledge. But then um, after I had, I had breast cancer and um, I, I was very lucky to survive breast cancer. And then we had two neighbor kids who had cancer and so for me, it was the planning of it was kind of a walking petition to the Lord over, you know, the whole cancer thing, mine and theirs. And um, I think what's interesting for me is, and I feel like an idiot saying this, but um, watching the movie The Way, I just thought, you know what, that's something I need in my life. I need that peace and that grace. And so I went. And, uh, well... <laughs> I loved it. Oh, I just loved it. I just love it. I just love putting my pack on and just walking. Yeah. 
Because you're you're Canadian, but when we first started talking, you were living, I think, in the United States. But now you've relocated back to Canada. Tell us tell us a little bit about yourself, and I want to get to the cancer thing a little bit later as well. But tell us a little bit about yourself in general. You're there with your husband, I think, aren't you? I am, yeah, and that's why I was in the states. My husband was working in Oklahoma City for almost five years, and. So that's what really gave me the opportunity to be able to do the first four, whatever, however many Caminos was because he was working there and our kids were in Canada. And so I was spending a lot of time going back and forth between those two places. So in between, I'd run away for a month and walk. (laughs) And that's how you get the time to to do the Caminos. Tell us about (laughs) the, the Via Augusta. Because that's not a very well-known Camino, the Via Augusta. Oh, it's, it's not. It's, uh, it starts in Gadi, which is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. I just can't even believe how beautiful it is there. But there's hardly any infrastructure for it. And I didn't meet another pilgrim. Um, the, but I was on it for a week and didn't meet another pilgrim the whole week. And, uh, but, uh, it, it's very beautiful. There's, um, uh, canals there. Um, I don't know the drainage canals or something, but so it's very lush and there's flowers growing and it's very, very beautiful, but very lonely. And I'm a pretty social person. So that I found that hard, but, um, that the towns are a little vibrant, um, really neat little towns and uh yeah it was it was a good inter- it was a good uh experience for sure i liked it and then from there i went to the via de la plata which is quite busy and um walked with some wonderful people so it was good it so was a good experience being not very busy i would suspect that would mean that there would not be many places to stay did you always find a bed in those little villages i did um the, it was uh, um, during Carnival, and so uh, the Albigues were full of people partying, and so I had to I stayed in I had to stay in hotels. That was the only place that had any room at all. Right. How many Caminos have you walked? Have you worked it out? Uh, well, I've done the I've gone to Francais and I've walked to Mushia and Finisterre from Santiago. And um, I haven't done the whole Via de la Plata, but I've done, you know, part of the Via de la Plata and the Via Augusta and the Portuguese coastal route. This is my second time, so I don't know. Yeah, we t- well, we talk about the energy, in particular the energy on the Camino Frances. Do you feel the <laughs> same energy, say, for instance, on the Via Augusta and you later now I have walked the Camino Portuguese. Did you feel the same energy on those other Caminos? Uh, yes. Um, all of the, all, I think all of the positive energy. Um, some of the negative energy from the front saying, don't get me wrong, I loved that Camino. It was wonderful. I loved it very much. But it's very crowded and um, there's a lot of Judgment, it seems to me, anyway, my opinion, there seems to be a lot of judgment against um, who's a real, um, like who's a real pilgrim and who isn't. And the Portuguese seems to have, and that's why I'm doing it another time, is it seems to have all of the good aspects of the Francais 
and not the bad. And I think it's because the let's face it, the Francais is so fabulous and it's so popular that it's just way busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you really need to be prepared for it. I think. Yes, you, I agree. Both mentally mm-hmm. and and physically. You bet. Yeah, yeah. That, that last hundred k's in particular can be really quite confronting. You know, mm-hmm. you, you wrote to me to say you walked the Camino Frances, and I'll quote you here. You said, I met me along the way. Mm-hmm. What was it I like? Did. What was it like meeting yourself? It was pretty amazing. I, um, you know, I'm like everybody else. You spend your life, you are your parent's child, you are your sibling's sibling. Um, I'm an identical twin, so I was one of the twins my whole life. And, but when I was on the Camino, I was me. I, I met me. I learned who I am. And it was a, an amazing experience. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I couldn't believe it. And I'm, I'm still kind of, my husband says I'm a completely changed person since when I left. Did you like who you met? I did. I really did. I'm kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> and you hadn't been funny before? Mm-hmm. Just never noticed. And people had told me I was funny, but I just didn't believe them. I wonder why. I don't know. I don't know. But, man, it was a great experience. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and it clearly has had a big impact because you keep going back. Do you mm-hmm. do you find that when you get home, you start to lose a bit of that Camino shine, and then you need to get back to sort of rekindle that fire? I'm mixing my metaphors. I, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't give myself enough time, right? To to sort of lose the shine because I I normally start to plan the first day I'm back for the next one. Yeah. And are you someone yeah. who, who, who does a lot of planning? Like, did you, do you know where you're staying each night? Or are you... No, are you, I, you, you no let, I'm more of this seat of my pants. Right. Yeah, I just let the wind blow me along kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not a planner in life at all, but this is something that I really do. As, you know, as soon as I get home, I start thinking about where I'm going next and Wonderful. when that'll be. But I, I have one, my next at least one planned because my twin sister is going to walk with me next year down the Portuguese coastal route. And we're working on my other sisters as well. I've got um, four sisters. Um, One's passed away, but I still have three alive. And um, where I want all of us to do it. So we'll see how that goes. Wow. That'll be, that'll be very special, a very special Mm -hmm. trip, won't it? That'll be something mm-hmm. really wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell us about the realization that first Camino, when you, you said you met yourself, that, tell us about the very first time you realized, hey, something special is happening here. Uh, just making it through the first day. <laughs> 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 and it was funny too because it poured with rain. It was a horrible day. And I was standing in line at um, Ronceval to get a room dripping because it was, I, I was completely saturated and standing there dripping. And I was thinking, I'm not enjoying standing in this line very much. It was kind of nice walking. It was quiet, even though it was windy and raining. And so I just got out of the line and walked to the next town. <laughs> in the rain. And that's where, I, 
Yeah, that's where I stayed that, that night. Yep. There you go. See, not many people. Yeah. Not many people choose <laughs> choose to walk on after Ronces Valley. So it's it's, uh, yeah. it's only ever done mainly done out of necessity. It, yeah. It, it, it's often said that the Camino is a spiritual journey. Uh, are you a spiritual person? Yes, I am. I'm, I have very strong faith. Very strong faith. How then did you? How did you make sense then of the news you have cancer? I, I actually I have a theory on why I got cancer. Um, I was diagnosed with cancer, and six months later, well, when I was diagnosed, my dad started praying for me, and he was an atheist. And six months later, he got diagnosed with cancer, and he died the day I had my breast cancer surgery. So I think that I had cancer to give him an opportunity to have a relationship with Christ. Wow, that's a story. That's my that's that's my feeling wow. of it. I otherwise can't can't figure out why else I would because I'm a super healthy been fit most of my life person and uh, you know I'm a non-smoker I'm a very healthy person so then when my dad was diagnosed I thought that's why <laughs> and, and let's just explore that a little bit was your father always an atheist and 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 uh, if so how did you come to have such a strong faith I was raised with no, uh, we had no church, no faith, because both my parents really thought it was a crutch. Um, but they both came from, they had very hard childhoods. Both of my parents had a very hard childhoods. So, um, and my dad was a brilliant, brilliant, creative man who really, he was brilliant. And so he, for him, it was normal to just think, yeah, there's nothing else. And, um, yeah, he was always like that, but, um, I, I was always searching. I have my whole life searched and I found, uh, went to many different churches when I first, I I was born and raised in British Columbia, but moved to Alberta when I was 27 and searched till I found the church I fit into. And then I've been a member of that church since then. It's been a few years now, 30, I guess. And, yeah, and so I was always searching for something. So, but for him, he he didn't. He was secure in his, you know, his own wisdom or whatever. And I'm not judging my dad because I loved my dad very, very much. But he really, he didn't need it. And then, like I said, he started to pray for me. And then he was diagnosed himself. And, yeah, so... Wow. And I wonder then, what was it about Coral that you sought out that, that faithful life, that, that faith? You, you, you hadn't been part of your life at, no. at all. Indeed, it's unusual for someone raised under those circumstances to seek out, out of faith. What do you think it was that prompted you? I, it always felt like there was something missing. Yeah. Yeah, and that was what it was. It was a relationship with the Lord, um, a relationship with the other people in the church, I guess, because I'm I'm a very social person as well. So yeah, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not 100 percent sure. Nobody's ever asked me that. Way oh. to go, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, eh? I love Canadians. Way to go, eh? You know, tell us about the the day that you found out that you had the cancer. Um, what what that was like, and then if you if you don't mind, I'm certain my listeners would 
first of all, like to hear about your cancer um, battle and, and indeed how you beat it. If you here you are on the line to us from the Camino Portuguese. Yeah. Um, well, I knew I had a lump in my breast. I was running for city councillor in Calgary, Alberta, and that it's like the fourth or third largest city in Canada. And I found the lump during when I was running for the campaign. And um, after the election was over, was Christmas, and I was going to do something about it after Christmas, but then my breast was very, very red hot and sore. And so um, New Year's Day, I went to a walk-in clinic in Canada, and um, they sent me for all the tests that they, you know, the ultrasound and the mammogram and all that. And it was a very, very large tumor, and it was very aggressive, and so I had eight chemotherapies and 42 radiations and two mm. surgeries. And so Goodness. I'm still here. Goodness yeah. me. Coral, you, you knew it was there and you thought I'll do something later? Well, I was in the middle of uh, running for the count- city councillor. And then another thing that happened, my twin sister's husband died suddenly during the campaign as well. So I was dealing with that. I was helping her. That was a huge shock. He just had a heart attack and died. It was a huge loss. And so I just shuffled me back and I knew eventually that I'd deal with it. And and it did get dealt with eventually. Yeah, so there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. And now here you are. So how long ago mm-hmm. was that? New Year's Day, what year? That was uh, 2011. I had my... Eighth, uh, eight years ago anniversary of my last chemo was yesterday or the day before. Wow, eight years. There you are. Yeah, eight years. Eight years. Your cancerversary, they call it sometimes, don't they? Absolutely, yeah. yeah There's yeah. lots of people that call it that, yeah. I mentioned Mark Twain in the introduction and his quote, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the ones you did do. And he also mm-hmm. used to say, history never repeats itself but sometimes it rhymes. When you're on the Camino, do you pinch yourself sometimes and wonder, how did this, how did I end up here? Absolutely. Absolutely. All the time. It's, it's, to me, it's crazy. I hadn't done much traveling before I did the Camino the first time. And, uh, and now I'm just, it's, I just, I love it. I love the people mostly. Probably my favorite thing is the people, the taxi drivers and people that work in the hotels and the other people that are walking from every country and just the people. Every single person has their own story and every single person, if you give them a chance, will usually be a wonderful person. Yeah, and, and they're so happy to talk and you're, so mm-hmm. ha- and you're so happy to listen. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I think that's what makes it such a vibrant community too because mm-hmm. when you experience that, in, in that interaction and that happiness to interact, then when you get home, you carry a little bit of that with you into your local community, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's 100%. Yeah. yeah. And now, yeah. you mentioned a, a while ago that you did a lot of walking, but did I just hear you say you didn't do much preparation for that first Camino? Uh, well, I, I, I trained and, I, you know, I bought the pack and had all this stuff in it, but... <laughs> But it's it's not. I don't know how you can actually really prepare for the Camino um, because you could still have all the stuff like I did, 
and I had been walking and training that way. But you, I just, it's such an experience that I, I don't know what real training can be done for it. Not really, not for me anyway. It was, it was because it's completely different than what you think it is going to be. Uh, for me, it was. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Do you always walk with your husband? Yeah, and every day when and when I lived in Alberta, um, I walked with my friend Helen every day. We walked all the kids in the neighborhood up to school. Then Helen and I would continue to walk for over an hour, and then we'd meet again and walk later. So, I, yeah, I walked a lot. So, so well, let's talk about some logistics, if I may. There are people listening who are thinking of walking. I'm certain of that. How, mm-hmm. he- how heavy is your backpack? You're on the Cor- Camino Portuguese now. How much weight are you mm-hmm. carrying? Um, mine pack is normally between 20 and 25 pounds. It's too heavy, I know, but I can't pare it down. I don't know why, but, yeah, mine's too heavy. Um, but uh, I think if I could, I start usually start out at, at it being about 17 just before I leave home and then throw all the in-case stuff in, and then there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's, what's one thing you always pack? Uh, my sister, my sister who, who died in a car accident, her, uh, pic, a picture of her and a picture of my kids. Oh, that's a lovely thing to carry and make sure you pack. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. How, can Always. I, how long ago was, did your sister die? My sister died uh, this year. It'll be four years ago. Oh, dear. She had dear, a car dear. accident. Oh, dear, 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 dear. Yeah. Oh, you must carry that. At times, in some of those lonely places, Carrie, that she must be her picture would be quite heavy, I imagine, in your bag. Yeah, yeah, it's heavier in my heart, but yes, yeah, of course. She, uh, she was the funniest person, man. She was funny, she was witty and kind and lovely, and you know, she was the kind of person that would give pick up somebody who's broken down on the side of the highway and take them home and feed them and do their laundry. This is a true story. Feed her, fed her, did her laundry, help her, help her get her car fixed, send her on her way with a Bible, and in the Bible she's tucked money in that my sister couldn't really afford to give, but she did. Gosh. Well, she'd be, yeah. she'd be, she'd be, she'd be delighted that she is joining you on your Camino journey so mm-hmm. regularly. I'm I think s- she would. I'm certain of that. Yeah. I'm certain yeah. of that. Uh, you must by now have a packing secret. Got something you can share? Uh, what, is, what would it be? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, okay, so every night before I go to bed, I have a little day bag that I put my clothes for the next day in. And this is just me. And I always have to sleep with a cushion between my knees or something between my knees because it bugs my hips if I don't. So I put the next day's clothes and my valuables inside the little day pack and then put it inside my sleep sack with me. And so then I know that my passport is safe and that the next day the toothbrush and everything are in the little day pack and I just have to get up and pull that out, go into the bathroom and shower and brush my teeth and then come back out. And that's, if you're in a hotel or something, that's not a super big deal. But if you're staying in an albergue, it's kind of good to be organized that way. Yes, it is, particularly if you're going to be rustling around and you're an early riser. Yeah, you don't want to rustle because someone will smack you. <laughs> For sure. I like that. I like that. Do, do, you get, do you get blisters? Yes, I, yeah, I do. Actually, right now I've just 
I'm doing really well. My poor husband's feet are a mess. This is his first Camino and his feet, his, oh, he's lost the skin off both of his baby toes and um, one toenail is hanging by thread and the other uh, one's gone. So uh, yeah, it's gross. But right now my feet are actually doing pretty well. Not a hundred percent sure why, but I'm happy about it. <laughs> Have you ever had bed bugs? I've had bed bugs three times, if you can believe it. Yeah, they were horrible. They're horrible little things, but everybody is terrified of them. You don't really have to be, as long as they're not in your pack. If they're in your pack, you'd be, be terrified. But the bites themselves, unless you're allergic to them, you'll just think they're a mosquito bite. Because I was walking with two fellas from Miami, and they were saying, oh, we're so lucky we've never had them. And I said, oh, pff, you've had them. You just didn't know. And they said, what do you mean? And, and they said, well, no, all we have is these mosquito bites. And I said, don't tell me. Where, where are they? And they, they're like, oh, on her arm. And I said, you both sleep on your right-hand side with your arm under your pillow, right? They're like, what? How do you know that? And I said, because they're in a line. They're bed bug bites. <laughs> it's not mosquitoes. They're, you guys, it's, so unless you're allergic to them, you don't even have the big, I have a big, huge allergic reaction. I resembled a gargoyle in Leon because my face was so swollen and bumpy and, it was frightening, man. And so did you yeah. Did you get them in albergues? I got one in an Airbnb, one in an albergue, and one in one of the most expensive hotels on the Camino. There you go. That's there amazing. Go. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Bed bugs. You're an expert. Bed bugs. Now, do you, I hate them. You obviously, so you were just saying that you've stayed in, in all of those places. Do you generally stay in albergues? I, I do, but yeah. I'll stay wherever there's a room. <laughs> <laughs> and are you a good sleeper? Uh, I have earplugs, and I try to not listen to the snoring. And um, I've, I've, we, Let's face it, after being in that many albergues, you've heard it all. Uh, there was a brass band outside of one, another one. Somebody, somebody in this huge room of people, 60 people, 60-plus 60 people, someone was having sex. Like, oh. it's unbelievable, but you hear it all. You know, people have gas and people talk in their sleep and grind their teeth. And, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, we've heard it all. So our little earplugs in and then just off to dreamland. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I was in a... The bottom bunk, and in Leon, when a, the fellow on the top bank had had night horrors, like post traumatic stress night horrors. Scr- oh my gosh! You're screaming in horror. He was. Oh. It was awful. Oh, that's terrible. It, it was awful because we we didn't know what to do. We were all looking at one another. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, should we wake him or just? We, he sort of it lasted about fifteen minutes, but it was really terrifying terrifying yeah yeah yeah, it was awful um what about when you get to town do you have a little afternoon snooze no hardly ever hardly ever doesn't matter how tired i am i shower take my hikers off put my flip-flops on and wander around and look yeah yeah this is long the long spanish summer afternoons Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is a difficult question but if i was to pick you up and place you somewhere on one of your Caminos, where would it be? Do you have a favourite place? Um, well, obviously Santiago de Compostela, but um, I've, oh, I have quite a few different ones, but um, I've, oh, I'm trying to think of the name of the town. Um, 
Yeah, I watched a beautiful sunset with a group of pilgrims from all over the world um, sitting in the middle of the village and the sun was going down behind the chapel there. I can't remember the name of the place, but mm. it was, I remember the name of the albergue. It was Laguna, but yeah, it was a past Belorado somewhere. It mm. was beautiful. It was a beautiful, beautiful night sitting with, you know, Michael from Australia and uh, John from Scotland and, you know, Leonard from Arizona and a couple from um, the University of Texas and like just the most beautiful group of people and, you know, just having the most interesting conversations about everything under the sun and just just loving, you know, being alive and feeling so alive after walking all day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Great story. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about, you mentioned Santiago de Compostela. Tell us about arriving in Santiago, those handful of times you have now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the first time in tears because there was construction on the road and I couldn't find the stupid cathedral. <laughs> I was in tears. But um, then the next time with um, two men from Portugal, a father and a son, that I walked with, and they were in a big hurry, so we all walked very quickly and um, had a wonderful, wonderful time. And I was actually just visiting with them um, this week. I had supper with them a couple of times this last week because they live in Vienna de Castello, so was able to um, introduce my husband to them this week and last week actually my kids were in Europe too so they also got to meet the whole family in Vienna de Castello so it was it was really really cool. In in a wider sense what are the most important lessons you think you learned on the Camino? Probably just to get along and to always know that everybody's got their own story and it doesn't matter what you think their story is it's probably nothing like what you think it is. Hmm. Well, that's something we could take with us every single day of our lives, I think, isn't it? <laughs> I, really yeah. do, I really mean that. You know, what's, what's your best memory of the Camino? Um, just one, huh? Um, you know what? I um, sprinkled my dad's ashes in Mushia. Um, I took a small amount of his ashes and sprinkled them in Mushia in um, March this year, and that was pretty fantastic. In the, during the sunset on the beach there, on the rocks. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like talking about negative things, but is there a worst memory? Have you had horror stories? Uh, I got grabbed in Malid in the cathedral by a crazy guy, and he was going to murder me, I'm pretty sure. What? He actually picked me up by my bicep lifted me off my feet, this big, huge guy didn't speak any English, and pulled me into the cloister room, and I think he was going to murder me because it was only the two of us in the cathedral, but then two elderly gentlemen came in to pray, and I was able to actually run away from that guy, and I sat next to the old gentleman until the crazy guy left. Yeah, yeah, that happened on my first um, Camino. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so then I walked like crazy for the last few days to get away from him, yeah. Was he a pilgrim? Yeah, he, uh, I think he was. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, he had been walking the same speed as me, so I thought he was a pilgrim. But then that morning uh, at 6.30 uh, Oklahoma time, it's 2.30 about 
in the afternoon in Spain and Portugal-ish, and my husband would just be getting ready for work, and I was talking to him on the phone after I finished walking for the day, and that pilgrim was staring at me, staring at me for 45 minutes. And then that evening is when he grabbed me, so I don't know if I looked like his mother or his ex-wife or what, but yikes. Wow, that is a story. And Melida is a beautiful place. That's not a nice memory to have of that that lovely place. Yeah, no, and that, and uh, I think what probably saved my life is I ran into um, a couple of pilgrims that I knew outside of the cathedral before I went in, and I stood outside and talked to them for about a half an hour. Otherwise, that guy would have had over an hour alone in the cathedral with me, so I'm just very grateful that I ran into Pam and Joe outside the cathedral. <laughs> Goodness. Did you think to contact the police? I had, I had no idea who he was. I had no picture of him or anything, so I, I did think of it, and I did. I, I told some some GNR down the road about it, but with not having any evidence or anything, I didn't know that there was anything that could be done. Sure, sure. Gosh, that's a story. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I, I know yep. it's early in the morning, and, and you'll want to get onto the road. Um, but mm-hmm. can I just ask, how do you explain the Camino to people who ask about it, Coral? Uh, I don't, um, a lot of times they say, well, I like to walk and I like making friends and instant exercise, instant friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And, yeah. and as I mentioned in the, in the introduction, you do feel better the more fitter you become as you're walking, don't you? You, you. You sort of, Absolutely. You, yeah, you come up, you come alive. Yeah. What's the one word you'd use to describe your Camino journey? Joy. Yeah. Even though you've you've had a bit of heartache these last few years. Oh yeah, everybody has heartache though. And I started out for me. It was a petition to the Lord. And um, my my everybody names their well, backpack. Well, some people do. And my backpack's name is Hope. Oh. Hope. Yep. What would you? Because you always have hope. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You always have hope. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. What would you say to someone thinking of walking? I'd say, do it right now. Don't wait. Do it. If you could whisper something into the ear of a twenty-one-year-old Coral Turner, what would it be? Uh, travel. I never wanted, I never really thought I wanted to travel, but I would, I would have told me to travel. And I'm sure you'll continue to travel too, won't you? You bet, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to let you go so you can travel some more today. You're walking into <laughs> Spain, you'll cross the Hooray! bridge. Yeah, it's going to be a really That's exciting good. day. Yeah. Well, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you, Coral, and to be honest, I, 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 there were some surprises in the in the story that I was delighted to learn and I've, oh. thor- I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. I've enjoyed talking to you too, Dan. Yeah, you, <laughs> you and I are Camino addicts. You know, in, a, we are. Yeah, in Australia, if you're someone who loves something, we call you a tragic. So you're a cricket tragic or a game of phones <laughs> tragic, a, a scrapbooking <laughs> tragic. And I worked, this is a true story, I have worked for months and months and months to reach the actor Shirley MacLaine to talk to her for the podcast because she wrote a book about the Camino. 
And I finally, I finally got onto her and I wrote to her oh. and I said, you and I are Camino tragic. And she wrote back, oh, I'm tragic, am I? Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> That's a true awesome. story. That's a true story. That was it. <laughs> yeah. So let's stick with Camino addicts. That might work better. Okay. Good luck on the journey okay. and in life, Coral. Okay. You take care. Yeah. I look take forward care. to following you from afar. Buen Camino. Buen Camino back. You take care, you tragic man. <laughs> My guest this week, the Canadian pilgrim Coral Turner. The American author Mark Twain wrote, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. He's right, even when it comes to Shirley MacLaine. If you like the work I do and you'd like to support me, you can sponsor me via patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins or danmullinsmusic.com. Thanks for your company as always. Mark Twain also said that history never repeats itself, but sometimes it rhymes. I can't help thinking pilgrims today are living the same life as those who have walked for centuries before us. They are walking in time and in rhyme. Walk on, pilgrims. I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week, Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, someone